Hey, God is so good, isn't he? Yes, you guys are awake. Thank you for your warm, warm welcome. This is family. This is home for me and my family. We so, 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 so feel like this is family to us. So thank you guys so much for everything. Hey, I'm thrilled about today. I'm thrilled about the word. I'm thrilled about our future together. I was actually in Dallas, Texas this past week for some, uh, some work meetings. And while I was there, I was talking to some friends and some coworkers, and the topic of Grace Covenant came up because, you know, a few folks know that we attend here. And uh, something I said, I said, you know, when you're in the middle of a move of God, usually you don't recognize it right in the midst of it. It's usually not until later on you look back and say, wow, God really was doing something there. Listen, I do believe that the way God is strategically positioning people and the way God is, is moving people around, that we are seeing the beginnings of a move of God right here in our area. And I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll give a resounding amen to that. Amen. Amen. I also want to thank uh, Pastor Farrell and Pastor Zach. I mean, for Pastor Farrell to have the foresight to not only lead us well, but then to begin to pray and enter the process of, Lord, who would I transition the leadership of this church to? And then for Pastor Zach and his family to, to pray and then receive the leadership here. It's just been a beautiful process to watch. And I am so grateful for amazing spirit-filled leaders. Can we give it up for our pastors and our leaders at Grace? I'm excited to jump in the word. Anybody else? Good. I hope you came ready today. Listen, you guys, some of you guys have been here a while. You, you've noticed that we've had a little change here. We, we, we do something now. Pastor Zach actually started this, but in the beginning of his teachings, he'll ask us all to stand so that we can read the word together. That has kind of become our custom here. I see some of you are getting ready. There's a few of you who are like, we do that here? It's like, yeah, yeah, you got to come to church and you'll see that. Like, that's what we do. We stand up now. <laughs> I'm joking, kind of. But... <laughs> I want to ask you guys to stand up today as we prepare to read the word. We do this because we honor God and we honor his word. We, we just want to give honor where honor is due. But as, as I was preparing this teaching, I was thinking about uh, the book of Nehemiah. And I believe it's in chapter 8 where Ezra the priest and the scribe was asked to go get the word of the law, the, the book of the law, I should say, the word of the Lord from the temple. And he brought it out and he opened it up and he began to read it. And when he read it, all the people stood up. And this is the part that got me. The Bible says that they read from early morning light to midday. How many of you know that's a long time? Anybody to just to stand up and just read? So anybody have any complaints or anything about standing up and read 18 verses? Cut it out, okay? <laughs> you have no ground to stand on. Listen, we're going to read 18 verses. I, I was shocked last week when Pastor Zach had us read an entire chapter. But in, in, at the same time, I was really like, that's pretty cool. That we would stand up as a church and read the word like that out loud. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in this, but we're going to do this a little different. I want to ask you to read with me out of Genesis chapter 22. We're going to read together out loud verses, uh, verses 1 through 8. And then I'm going to read verse 9 all the way through 16. And then we'll read 17 and 18 together. Don't worry, I'll coach you through it. I know I'm making it more difficult. We'll walk through it together. All you need to know now is we're going to read together verses 1 through 8. You guys ready? Let's read. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. 
he took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now let me read to you while you're still standing, verses 9 through 16. It says, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Verse 15 says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, let's read this together now, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you, because you have obeyed me. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. You can have a seat. Praise God. Many of you know this story, the story of Abraham. Previous name was Abram. Abraham was with his father and his father had their family journeying to a new land. They stopped in a place called Haran, and they settled there. In fact, they settled there so long, his father eventually died in that place. But it's there that the Lord speaks to Abraham, and he calls him out, and he says, Abraham, I want you to go to a place, to a land that I will show you. How many of you know that's a little nerve-wracking? God is asking you to pick up and go, but he won't tell you where. 
So he talks to Abraham and he tells him, I want you to get up and I want you to go to this place and I'm going to show you what this place is. So Abraham is obedient. He gets up and he moves and he follows the leading of the Lord. And as he does so, the Lord consistently blesses this man, but it's not without promise. God tells him, Abram, I have something for you. You and your wife, Sarah, who was barren at the time, you too will have a child and your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. They'd be like the, as numerous as the stars in the sky. How many of you know, if you are trying to have children and you cannot, this is a beautiful promise. Abram receives this, but some say that he was about 75 years old when he received the promise and about 100 years old when his son was born. How many of you would say, that's a long time to wait? Let's be honest. I use a microwave in my home. Please don't judge me. I know some people would say that that is not healthy, but I use a microwave, especially for popcorn. Now, it's funny because we have one of those air poppers, but sometimes I get impatient and I just want to throw a packet in the microwave. But it's interesting because when I go to my microwave, I open this packet, I unfold the popcorn, I put it inside, and I don't have to calculate anything. All I have to do is press this button that's labeled popcorn. I sit back about three minutes or so later, this aroma begins to fill the house, and now I have this delicious popcorn to munch. Listen, we live in a microwave society. We don't like to wait for anything. Many of us pay the money to have Amazon Prime, especially when they said they'll do same-day delivery. We were like, this is a necessity in our house. <laughs> Americans. <laughs> the truth of the matter, though, God spoke to Abraham and he said, I'm going to give you a son. But he waited about 25 years or so before he ever saw the fulfillment of this promise. That's a long time. It's interesting, though, that as Abraham travels, he finds this place that the Lord wants him to be. And we heard a lot from Pastor Zach about different things that happened in between this time. But what I want to highlight today is after waiting for so long, Sarah and Abraham finally have a baby. They have this son by the name of Isaac. And now we pick up in our story that some time has passed and God is now talking to Abraham. And he's saying, Abraham. And Abraham replies, here I am. And he says, I want you to take your son. You're one and your only son. And I want you to travel to, listen to these words, a place where I'm going to show you. <laughs> this is becoming a pattern in Abraham's life. And he said, I want you to sacrifice your son to me as a burnt offering. Now let's just sit with that for a moment. I've waited a long time, Lord, to receive this promise the son through whom you said you would bless all the nations of the earth. I finally have him, and now you're telling me to take him to this random place, kill him, and then offer him to you as a burnt offering? Any parents in the place? Anybody have only one child? Good, a decent amount. How many of you have more than one child? I think for those with one child, it may be a little easier to grasp this because you're like, man, I have one child. I can't. For some of us, we're like, well, I got multiple ones. There's a couple I might just have to let go. <laughs> like, no, nobody's thinking that. I'm sorry. Nobody's thinking that. <laughs> I have one son and I have one daughter, one of each. And uh, I can tell you this, I don't want to let any of them go. There, there's not one, not even on their worst day that I'm like, yeah, if I was Abraham. Not at all. In fact, 
I, I love them so much. But can you imagine this? It seems like it seems almost contradictory. The God is speaking to Abram, Abraham, and he's saying, Hey, I want you to take the son that I promised you, and now I want you to kill him. Wait a minute, Lord. You you told me that you would give me this son. Remember when you asked me to leave, you said you're going to bless me with the son. And these promises are attached to him. So I'm living this life believing your word that all that you said will come to pass in my life. So me taking this son and offering him as a burnt offering just doesn't seem like it matches this story. But Abraham, out of obedience, he says yes. So he gets his son. He gets up early the next day. He cuts all the wood. He gets two of his servants. They get a donkey and they begin this three-day journey. They're journeying along, and I can almost imagine the conversations that are happening because the servants don't know anything. At least the Bible doesn't let us know that they know anything about what's about to happen. The son doesn't know anything, and that's demonstrated because at a certain point, the son even looks around and says, Dad, I see the fire, and I see the wood, and, but I don't see the lamb for the offering. So it's clear that Abram, Abraham didn't tell his son, hey, buddy, we're going to go on a journey. Where are we going, Dad? Oh, man, there's these mountains. We're going to go check it. It's going to be beautiful. And when we get to the top, you know how we lay those lambs on the altar and we, we kill them and then we burn them? We're going to do that to you today. How many of you know that's not how the story went? I can almost imagine the conversations, though, on the way. They're just talking, and, and three out of the four don't know what's going on. And then the third day, it says Abraham looks up, and he saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, listen to this, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. This is the kind of message you don't even have to preach. You can just read it. It's powerful. Listen to this. Abram on the third day demonstrates his faith. Because, you know, it is faith to be obedient. It takes faith to say, yes, I want to get up and go do what you're saying. But what really takes faith is when you're on your journey and you get to the place where you know everything's about to come to a head and Abraham opens his mouth to his servants. He says, I want you guys to stay here because me and Isaac, we're going to go over there and we're going to worship. Notice he's using the, the, the word we. And then he says this, and we will come back to you. Listen, I want you to hear something. True faith is shown on the third day. True faith is shown when rubber meets the road. I remember in 2015, uh, myself and a group of guys from the church I was pastoring, we decided to do this thing called a Tough Mudder. Now, Tough Mudder is 13.1 miles of absolute craziness and insanity, similar to the kind of these Spartan races. And I remember we started doing these training events and it was so fun because it's like all oh, these men getting together, like we're doing this, this is awesome. And like we're working out, we're running a little bit and we're getting everything ready. And I remember the day of the event, we got up early in the morning and we all carpooled down and we're driving. And at first the, the car is full of laughter and conversation and things. But then as we got closer to the city of Temecula, California, where the race was being held, the conversation began to die down. And as we begin to see signs even off the freeway saying, tough mutter this way, we begin to talk less and less. And when we pulled into the event area where it was going to be held, it was silent in the car. No one was saying anything. You see, it's easy to talk and laugh and have fun when you're miles and miles away. But once we pulled onto the site, we knew, oh man, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we demonstrate that we have really trained or not. <laughs> 
that we've prepared for this race. Abraham is in a similar situation where he is on this journey and I guarantee they're talking and they're, 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 they're sharing and the, the servants are talking and Isaac is asking questions. But once they see it, Abraham knows, you guys stay here. Me and Isaac are going to go over there. Now, Abraham the whole time knows what God has said for him to do. But listen to the way he speaks. I have to reiterate this one more time. Me and Isaac, we are going to go over there. And you know what we're going to do there? We're going to worship. And then we are going to come back. I want you to hold on to the gravity of his statement. The depth of faith that Abraham is demonstrating. We are more he recognizes we are more than this. God has promises that he's declared over our lives. So we know somehow, some way, I don't know how God's going to do this. You could say that Abraham is saying, but somehow, some way, me and Isaac are going to come back to you. Some of you in this place right now, you're walking through similar situations. You're walking through situations that when you look at it, you feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where God called me to be. But when you look at the fruit, you're thinking this is not the level of fruit that I believe God wants me to have. Some of you have changed careers because you believe God has led you that way. Some of you have moved to different cities and things because you believe that God has led you that way. Some of you in your marriage, you believe you're with the person that God has you to be with. You're equally yoked, but you're feeling the tension and you're like, I, I just thought that it would be different. I thought there would be more fruit here for the kingdom. But listen to what Abram says. Abram is literally letting us know. We're going to go do what God says, but we're going to come back. So you can say it this way. Abraham's walking saying, I don't know exactly how this is going to work out, but I know this is going to work out. Some of us in here need to adopt that mentality today. I don't know how this marriage is going to work out, but I know because I trust in God that this is going to work out. I don't know how this job situation is going to work out, but I know because my trust is in God that this thing is going to work out. Some of us have to grab a hold of this thing and say, even though I hold tight to it like it's Isaac, Lord, before you, I open my hands and trust that you work all things together for my good. So even when it's difficult, I trust you. This is the level of living that Abraham is demonstrating. This is the level of living that God is calling us to. True faith is shown on the third day. Another point I want you to catch is that truth faith actually believes that God will come through. True faith actually believes that God will come through. Look at verse number six again. It says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. My goodness. <laughs> Can you imagine the three-day journey with your son or your child? All the while you're thinking about what's the culminating event that's going to take place. I wonder what was going through Abraham's mind. I told you guys before, I like to put myself in the story. Like, what, what would I have been thinking in the midst of something like this? First, I'd have been thinking, am I certain that I heard the Lord? Anybody else with me or am I the only one who? who am I sure? Because this is going to look really, really weird. If not, am I certain that I heard the Lord? But I wonder, too, if Abraham, Abraham was thinking about God's past faithfulness in his life. 
I wonder if he was rehearsing when he first met God, when God introduced himself in a way and said, Abram, I want you to leave your father's house and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And when God promised him that he'd give him a son, I wonder if he was thinking about when God initiated a covenant with him in Genesis chapter 15. When, when God began to speak his cultural language and said, bring out the animals, Abraham, and, and God slipped the animals and God himself walked through the animals, initiating a covenant with Abraham, saying, I'm telling you this, I'm swearing in a sense that I will do what I said I would do in your life. I wonder if Abraham is building himself up by simply rehearsing the goodness of God in his own life. Listen, that's for somebody here today, and if it's not for you, it's definitely for me. We have to be willing to be those kind of people when we're facing tough situations, that we go back to God's resume. (laughs) Can I say it that way? Can can we look back on his credit history and see every single time he does exactly what he said he would do? He has never once let me down. He has never once lied. He's always been faithful. Can you imagine being that type of people that even in the hard times when it doesn't look the way you felt like God said it, instead of complaining, oh, man. I'm talking to myself today. Instead of complaining, why am I even here? I shouldn't, they don't honor me the way they should. I shouldn't be here. Why is this like? Instead of complaining, we go back to, oh God, I trust you. Lord, you've shown me time and time again that you're faithful. Lord, I remember, and fill in the blank because all of us have our stories. I remember that time when this happened. And Lord, I didn't know what was going to happen, but you took care of it. Lord God, I remember the time when this was going on in my life. And I didn't know what was going to happen. But look, here I am on the other side, still smiling, still praising, still living to worship you. Listen, we got to be people like that who rehearse these things and remember the faithfulness of God because he's faithful. He's faithful. I said, God is faithful. So Abraham, I imagine, is rehearsing these things so much so that when his son says, where's the lamb for the offering? (laughs) Abraham says, son, God will provide. God will provide. Parents, are you leading this example for your children? I don't say that uh, in a condemning way because as a parent, I recognize that it gets tough. But you know what I love about this story? The fact that Isaac knew enough to ask the right question. You see, they didn't have a church like we have where we come to church and we bring our children. This, in a sense, is their form of worship, their form of church. So Isaac has obviously been here before because he can look around and say, okay, dad, I see the fire and I, I see the sticks and, I, and I, I see all the things we need, but something's missing. Oh, dad, where's the lamb? You see, Abraham has taken his son to church. We can go a whole different direction with this. Abraham has raised his son up to this point in the ways of the Lord. So much so that his son now understands the culture. The son now understands the way these things work. Listen, I want to encourage you parents. Let's be those kind of parents. We need that in the world today. I said we need that in the world today. There are so many parents who, for whatever reason, have have decided to go other ways or believe other things and and let their children kind of be left to their own devices and their their children all over the world doing all kinds of things, things that are way outside of what they should even know how to do at their age. But let it not be mentioned that way amongst us. Let it not be said that way amongst us. Let us be people who truly raise our children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord boldly declaring God's ways to the next generation. Let us be those kind of people. So Abraham recognized this, taught his son the right way, and he says God will provide. Point number three I want to point out to you guys today. True faith demands all-in obedience. True faith 
demands all-in obedience. I want to point your attention to verse number 10, which could be said is one of the most chilling scriptures in all the Bible. Listen to this. It says, then he, speaking of Abraham, reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Can we pause there for just a moment? Many scholars believe that Isaac was a teenager at this time. Some say around 15 years old. Let's just say that Abraham had Isaac around 100 years old. 15 years have now passed. Abraham's around 115. Isaac is 15. <laughs> How many of you know that Isaac, if he wanted to, could have easily overpowered Abraham? But Isaac is willingly laying on this altar, and Abraham, his father, grabs this knife. He raises it up over his boy. And for what we see, he's fully prepared to thrust this knife into his son. Again, I like to imagine myself in the story. Oh. You talk about not wanting to make eye contact. Fighting back tears, maybe. But he goes up to lay this knife down into his son. Why? Listen, we've been talking about being all in. Abraham was all in. That, 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 can, that can put a check mark right in our own heart. If we think we're all in, let's compare ourselves to Abraham. <laughs> Abraham was all in. He was going for it. Why? Because true faith requires all in type of obedience. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God is not asking us to do these kind of things with our children today. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. But he is asking us to do these type of things with other things that grip our hearts. Other things that hold tight to us that we, we say, God, you can have all of that, but not this one thing. Listen, some people are in places where they're battling addictions, and by the look on your face, none of us would ever know. We've learned how to be polished in public and panic in private. But see, God is not deceived like the rest of us. He sees all of it. And I want you to hear me. As gentle as I can say this, I believe God's calling for us to lay our Isaacs down. Any Isaac, anything that's holding us back, anything that we've somehow placed in front of him, anything that we say, that's my whole life, it's all about that. He's saying, no, I, I am the Lord and I share my glory with no one. Whether it be a job, whether it be a relationship, whether it be an addiction or a bondage, it's time to lay those things down, amen? amen. So true faith Demands all-in obedience. You know, it's interesting because God didn't ask Abram, Abraham to take his wife to the top of the mountain. Hey, I want you to take Sarah to the top of the mountain, lay her down on the altar. I want you to go ahead and offer her as a burnt offering. And depending on the relationship, he might have been excited about that. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but God didn't ask him that because that wouldn't have made sense in their culture. See, Abraham understood the firstborn being offered to God, the first to open the womb. He understood that amongst the animals, the first was always the Lord's. He understood amongst the fruit and the grains, the first was always the Lord's. He understood that. So for him to say, for God to say his firstborn son, it made sense to him. It made sense to him. So Abraham does this in obedience. You guys remember the story of Egypt? When the, the ten plagues are, are being unleashed on this nation, the final plague is the death of the firstborn son. And isn't it interesting that in this, in this case specifically, God says to slaughter this innocent lamb and take the blood and spread it across the doorpost. 
and whatever house had the blood, the angel of death would simply pass over. But whatever house didn't have the blood, the firstborn first was killed. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting because we find ourselves in a place with Abraham that his firstborn is up on this altar and he's prepared to literally slaughter him. Somehow, Abraham understood why. It's actually written, Tim Keller says it this way. He says, if Abraham had thought God had told him, kill your wife, Sarah, and then I'll know you love me, he would have never done that. He would have concluded that he was simply hallucinating because God would not have said it because it would have had been murder. But when God said, offer Isaac, Abraham knew exactly what that meant. The firstborn, it represented his very life and the debt that every man owes to God. Point four says this, true faith leads to God's provision. Can somebody say amen to that? True faith leads to God's provision. Look at verse number 11. It says here, but the angel of the Lord called out to him. So he's here, he's positioned, he's ready. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13 says, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, listen to what he calls it, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, and he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed me. I need you guys to see this. As Abraham is on top of the mountain preparing to slaughter his son, the angel of the Lord intervenes and stops him. It was just a test. That's the way God started this whole chapter. It was just a test. Just wanted to see if you would actually do it. I wanted to see if you truly feared the Lord, reverenced and honored me as God. Some of you are like, man, God, you could have done another practical joke. That was tough. That was tough, right? But he says, don't touch the boy. Don't do anything to him. Listen, I now know you fear me. Abraham looks up, and what does he see? He sees a ram stuck by the horns in the thicket, the provision of God. What is beautiful about this is the ram is stuck by his horns, so his body is not bruised or broken. None of his bones are broken. He is a worthy sacrifice to be sacrificed there. But what's interesting is, although Abraham was not asked to sacrifice his son, because honestly, what would that have done? Abraham's killing Isaac there or sacrificing Isaac and offering, it to, offering him to God as worship. What would that have done other than continue this test and taking it to a far extreme? What would that have done? That Abraham couldn't, couldn't justify himself in righteousness by his own works anyway. So what's the point of him killing his own son? But what I think is interesting is that this very place that God says, Abraham, I'm going to show you where to go. Go to the, the region of Moriah, and I'm going to show you what mountain to go up on. It's interesting that scholars actually believe that that same place is exactly where, about a thousand years later, 
Another son, the only begotten son, actually carried the wood. Did you notice Abraham carried the fire? He had the knife, but he put the wood on his son. Another son carried the wood. We call it the cross. All the way up the hill. He gets up there and he willingly lays himself on the cross. He could have fought back. He could have argued. He could have called down angels from heaven. He did none of that. He willingly laid down his life. You see, what I'm telling you today is that, yes, we look at Abraham's story and we're like, wow, that's powerful that Abraham did that. But I want you to see the the big story behind it, the kind of the meta narrative that's going on here. God is showing you what's going to happen. There's some beautiful foreshadowing taking place. Abraham would have done nothing for all of us other than we could say it's a great story. But Jesus would one day as the perfect, unblemished, sacrificial lamb would come and willingly lay himself down and die in our place, he will be literally, you could say it this way, the very knife of justice, the very knife of what needed to pay for our sin was thrust into the heart of Jesus so that we could be made clean. Something took place about a thousand years later that Abraham was just a foreshadow of. So Abraham, God says, look, there's this beautiful Well, he actually sees it. God didn't have to say it. He sees this beautiful ram stuck in the bush. It's just a picture of God's provision. Just like for right now, the picture of God's provision in our lives is Jesus Christ upon the cross. He died. Can I say it the way Peter would have said it? Peter was pretty bold on the day of Pentecost when he spoke. Peter told them that they crucified Christ when he was preaching his message. He said, the Christ whom you crucified. Peter would have said, he died in your place, right? He died in my place. He died in our place. So instead of Isaac being killed, let's go ahead and put the lamb. So instead of Marcus having to pay for the wages of sin, let's go ahead and put the lamb of Jesus Christ on the cross. Let him die in his place. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is what makes it so amazing. It's this substitutionary atonement that God decided to step in our place. But listen to what he says to Abraham. Now I know that you fear God because <laughs> you didn't withhold your son. Now I know, Abraham, that you believe me. This word fear is more of an awe and a reverence as God. I, I know that you believe me. Isn't it interesting that now for us to be made righteous in God's sight, it's by faith through grace that we receive salvation? Isn't it amazing how that same type of belief is necessary now, believing that what Jesus paid was enough. It covered it all, and now we are no longer in debt, but we are righteous in Christ, amen? The Bible says it this way, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the good news. Can somebody say amen to that? I wanna encourage you today, Before we close, wherever you are in your life, whatever you're walking through in your life, whatever Isaac you've been holding on to, let's be honest, even as I was preparing for this, I'm submitting myself before the Lord, and there's things that sometimes you don't even recognize as an Isaac. You don't even recognize as taking the place that God rightfully deserves. But as I'm preparing, there's some things I had to just push my stuff away for a moment and just say, Lord, ah, I submit this to you. I open my hands and say, whatever you say, I'll do. Why? Because I don't want anything to stop me from experiencing the fullness of God in my life. 
He made me on purpose and for a purpose. I want to live that out. And there's nothing that I can grasp in my own strength that would fulfill me. So, Lord, whatever I have that I'm holding back from you, here it is. Have it. I just want you. Wherever you are in your life today, whatever Isaac you may have in your life, let's make today the day that we lay that on the altar. Say, Lord, I don't know exactly how this is all going to work out, but I know you and I know you're faithful and you're going to work everything out for my good. Can we do this today? Can we pray together? And can you be honest with God today? Because I don't know your story. And if I did, I wouldn't call you out in front of all these people. But you know your story. And God knows your story. If there's anything that you're holding back from him, let's make our declaration today, Lord, we are choosing to be all in. Let's bow our heads. Father, we humble ourselves before you. You are God and we are not. Lord, search us. Search our hearts. Lord, if there's anything in our lives that we've placed our life in other than you, would you reveal that to us right now? Lord, I love that you're depicted as the lion and the lamb because I believe that when your people are humble and we humble ourselves before you, you're so gentle. So Lord, I ask that even by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would begin to reveal those things to us. And Lord, I also ask for the strength that when those things are revealed, that we simply open our hands and lay those things on the altar. Lord, there's no relationship, there's no career, there's no addiction, there's nothing worth losing what we have with you. So we choose right now to lay those things down. And ultimately, we believe that if those things need to be cut off, that you'll provide something even better for us right now, something that is perfect for where we are right now. For those who are addicted, you'll provide the freedom. For those who are having issues at work, you'd either give them the wisdom to rectify or you'd take them to another place. Lord, for those who are having marital issues, we believe that you reconcile and restore. Lord, we want what you say is best, not what we say is best. So today we simply receive it and we declare that from this point on, by your strength, we will be all in, in Jesus' name. Can you clap your hands and thank God with me? Amen. 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 Will you join me in standing on your feet as we prepare to dismiss? I don't know about you, but this series has really helped me to see some things in my own life. For some of us, it's not like we're going the wrong direction totally. Some of us, we're just barely, just little, little one degree here, one degree there. And I love how the Lord so gently by his spirit comes in and says, come on, let's just course correct just a little bit. Let's keep your eyes fixed on me. Remember who I am. I got you. I got you. Listen, before you go, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Our prayer teams are going to be here in the front. So you can, of course, if you like some time to pray. Some of you may be at a place where you're like, hey, I, I need this Jesus you guys are talking about. I'm ready to give my life to him. Please come on up and let one of our prayer teams uh, pray with you. Also, as you can see, our communion elements are here. If you want to come and, and take in communion, whether it be by yourself or with your family, please don't hesitate to do so. Lastly, I love what Pastor Farrell says. He always reminds us that we are blessed to be a blessing. So I want you to take what you received today. Some of you received something from the teaching. Some of you received something from worship. Some of you just in your time of being here, someone else encouraged and blessed and strengthened you. Take what you received today and don't hoard it. Share it with someone else. You are blessed 
to be a blessing. God bless you, Grace Covenant. We look forward to seeing you next week.